0: hey what's up everybody welcome to Mastermind FM. your hosts today are ninja james laws of ninja forms fame and myself John galea from wp mayor and wp rss aggregator today we're going to be talking about product launch and gathering traction part two of this series that we're doing and before we dive into things a few words from our sponsors
1: if you're in the market for a host, listen to this. We're excited to be able to announce that WP Engine, one of the best managed hosting solutions in the WordPress space, has recently become a sponsor of mastermind.fm. This partnership is an honor for us and it's a great deal for you. Head over to wpengine.com and give them a look. Pick any 1-year plan and enter the coupon code mastermind at checkout. For our listeners, that means 4 months free managed WordPress hosting out of your first year with WP Engine. And that's hard to beat. WP Engine is one of the best managed hosting services in the WordPress community. As someone who makes a living in e-commerce, I just can't overstate how critical a solid, reliable hosting service is. WP Engine can be that host for you, and we hope you'll give them a try. Send us an email at podcast at mastermind.fm to let us know about your experience if you sign up with them. You won't be disappointed. Welcome back to uh, Get Started. Let's kind of recap what we talked about last week. Uh, We talked about kind of, you know, the product launch getting started and we talked about the prerequisites needed to kind of get your product off the ground. So you don't want to kind of fly blind, build a product, and then just be like, all right, I got this product. What do I do now? So we talked about all of the kind of the legwork you do before you're ready to launch a product. And so some of those things we talked about was you know building your landing page, um, primarily to give a little bit of a glimpse of the the offering that you're making with the product that you're going to be releasing, building a mailing list, and, and thinking about Through the the design of the landing page, the flow of the landing page, um, how you're going to handle your support when the product launches, um, what kind of an e-commerce solution you want to kind of have in place when the product is ready, uh, payment processing, things like that. And so today we want to kind of transition and talk about now that the product is launched, you've gotten out there, maybe it's it's launched with a great deal of fanfare and everybody is very interested or maybe you've just put it out there and you're not seeing quite the traction that you had hoped for and so you're wondering, what do I do if it feels like I had a stalled launch and I want to start to build um, some publicity around my product or get the, the, the word out. So that's kind of what we want to talk about today. So
0: uh, Jean, why don't you get us started? Sure. So one thing we touched about last time was the freemium model. And so having a free, uh, a free plugin on .org and offering the premium versions or extensions on your own website. And a perfect way to get things going is to see what people are telling you on, on .org, on your plugin page. So there's two ways of doing this. You can check out the reviews and the support forum. So both the forum and the reviews section will give you a uh, good feedback on what you're doing right and wrong and you can start building your product further from that. Obviously, once you build your product, release the features that people are requesting, there's also a certain kind of word of mouth publicity which will come for free obviously and things will start spreading from there. Another good area is to check out Facebook groups or even other private groups that we can find like on Slack, there's the post status forum, which is great for even discussing with other developers and getting maybe their word, the word out to their own audiences if they like it. So stuff like that can really, I, get, I call it, I guess, guerrilla marketing. So these are free ways of getting more traction for your product.
1: Yeah, I'd say in the early stages, your first customers are your most important customers. Your first users are your most important users because they have taken that first step into testing your product for you. They're going to be giving you feedback. They're going to be hopefully not finding too many bugs. But even if they do, that's early stages and that's that's to be expected. Uh, they're going to be using your product in a way that you probably didn't expect them to use your product. And so you're going to discover the weaknesses and the strengths of what you're offering. And that's going to shift and change how your product evolves over time. And all of a sudden, the product you thought you were launching, it starts to morph and become something more robust, maybe even a little bit different. But that's going to help you guide what people are actually interested in. Um, Because it's not just about having a product, it's about having a product that people want. And so if you can get those first few customers to offer a lot of feedback and become, you know, kind of those outspoken fans of what you're doing and win them over, they can help carry you uh, much further. And so definitely pay, pay attention to those uh, first support tickets that come through, um, pay attention to those reviews that come through uh, and respond to everything, engage, engage in communication uh, in, in discussion with them and work through those processes because that'll be super helpful.
0: Yeah, I feel the the way that you handle stuff on .org, especially in the early days, can make or break your plugin. Things like how many tickets are answered in the forums and how quickly you can answer those tickets. Even if you're doing all this for free in the early days, it's very important to just give it your best shot at answering tickets quickly. And effectively.
1: Yeah, part of what you're doing at this stage is building your reputation as a as somebody who offers a product. And so how responsive you are, and that may not mean that you can solve every problem that they have immediately, but the fact that you are watching and engaging in the conversation is super important, because it at least shows that you're listening, that you're interested, that you're paying attention. Uh, to to what's going on, and so that that's an important part of that sta- that that early stage of your product is is that that kind of that motivating factor of I'm involved, I'm engaged, I'm having communication, I'm having conversation with my users. So definitely,
0: and obviously, there's also the pre-sales that can come in even via email. The way you handle those pre-sales tickets, not only at the very start of your plugin, but even when you're more established, is very important for increasing your bottom line. I mean, in our case, we get the kind of pre-sales we get typically revolves around high volume bulk licensing. So a person might want to buy say a hundred or five hundred site license, and obviously that's a good chunk of revenue right there having to make the decision probably between between our plugin and a competing plugin. So the way we respond will probably shift his decision towards the direction of another plugin. So it plays a lot of importance on pre-sales and not only supporting paying customers, but even these prospective customers.
1: Yeah, that's an important part I think is The pre-sales comes in two forms, right? You have the person who comes to you asking questions about your paid offering. Can it do this? Can it do that? Can I get more licenses? Whatever the case may be. And those questions are super important. But another side of pre-sales are really those free support requests. Um, Those are Whether you think of them that way or not, they are pre-sales questions because depending on what that user needs in the future, how you reply to those requests will determine whether or not they feel they are dealing with a company they want to do business with. And so you want to keep that in mind when you're handling those free support tickets. Um, I think it's important, obviously, to be courteous. I think you can't always do everything somebody wants for free, but how you reply, the tone in which you reply is super important uh, and I think does create probably goodwill between you and your free users and gives them more incentive to buy in the
0: future. So one other thing I'd like to speak about is the plugin directory on .org. So I'm also interested in apps, mobile apps, and I frequently have a look at what's happening in the Apple App Store. And curiously, there's an entire industry revolving around the App Store in terms of search optimization. In fact, it's called ASO, uh, Apple Store Optimization or App Store Optimization. And it's kind of like SEO, but for specifically the Apple App Store. I haven't seen much of this kind of thing within within the WordPress community, targeting the .org plugin directory. However, lately we've been seeing a push in this direction, possibly because the plugin directory is being redone and it's currently undergoing a new design. And there are also some documented changes that have been exposed on posts like WP Taverns post and they've attracted quite a lot of feedback mostly negative I must say but also a few positive things that they're doing so James I know you have some opinions about the new plugin directory maybe we can touch up on those yeah
1: so there first of all i want to say uh you know kind of offer my thanks and kudos to those behind the, the work that's being done uh with the meta team and the redoing of the the plugin pages it's it's it can be a thankless job because you have a lot of people with a lot of different interests and in what happens with these pages those of us who are running businesses as well as you know, up and coming plugins who want more exposure. And so there's sometimes a divide as to what is wanted on the .org uh, repo. But I wanna say thank you for those people who are putting the hard work into it. That being said, the reason I don't think you see a lot of plugin optimization uh, currently on the .org is because really nobody I think can make rhyme or reason as to how search is ranked in .org currently. If you search for a term and you look at the plugins that are listed, you will probably be a little befuddled when you look at it going, I don't understand why this is number one and something on page five isn't even on page one. Like it doesn't make any sense. However, if you ever get a chance to see the new design, which uh, Jean and I both have looked at extensively in our with our own interests, kind of in, in with our own perspective on that, uh, the search is vastly improved. And actually makes a lot of logical sense. When I look at it, I can understand why a certain plugin ranks higher for a certain term over another. And because of that, I think you will start to see some maybe self-professed experts say, hey, we'll help you optimize your plugin page to show up higher in search and in archives. Although I don't think that's going to be necessary. I think most people, if you look at it, it's actually pretty... Pretty straightforward as to what causes that, what what will cause you to rank higher in those searches. But I'm excited about the new search changes because I think they're a vast improvement over what we've had in the past.
0: Yep, definitely. I'm looking forward to it, and I think this change will be made official within the next one or two months, I believe.
1: Yeah, it seems like they're moving pretty rapidly on it.
0: Yeah, it was actually showcased. A, a, a beta version was showcased at WordCamp Europe, which was held recently, and I I think uh, they've now pulled. The beta plugin directory offline, I mean, it was available before and probably they're going to implement most of the changes that have been discussed before releasing it again, either in the final version or another beta version for further discussion.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's exciting. Now, there are definitely, like you said, there have been a lot of negative comments as well um, about what content is being displayed and what content isn't being displayed uh and i think that's going to be a battle that continues to to wage on over the next couple months and i don't know that every i don't think everybody's obviously going to be happy you can't make everybody happy um but i'm I'm hoping that they'll take that feedback and uh, try to find the best possible compromise for everyone involved but as as it gets a little closer and we have more details uh I think John and I will probably do a whole episode on those changes and talk about how they impact you as a plug-in business who offers your products on .org.
0: For sure. Yeah. So we have another few things that we we want to discuss with regards to growth and promotion. Before we go into that, let's take a short break for our sponsor.
1: For just a moment, we'd like to mention that this week's episode of Mastermind.fm is brought to you by SightLock. It's not hard to see why website security should be one of your primary concerns as a webmaster. And SiteLock is the industry-leading website security solution provider. With an easy-to-use WordPress plugin that puts management of your website's defenses right there in your dashboard and the most comprehensive malware detection and prevention system on the market, you can't go wrong with SiteLock. Check them out today at sitelock.com mastermind. Welcome back. Uh, so let's get right into uh, some of these other issues that we have that we wanted to talk about, about building your product buzz. One of the, the main ones, the most popular ones, the, I think the go-to strategy for a lot of plugin developers is content marketing. And, and every plugin has a different way of doing it. Some, some companies that are doing it really well, like Delicious Brains, Brad Tenard and his team are doing a really good job. They, are, they take a pretty specific approach. They write technical articles around development, um, long form articles. They don't release them super frequently. I think it's like, I don't know if, I don't think it's even weekly, but it's maybe bi-weekly or something like that. I'm not sure, but they've seen a huge amount of increase in growth in just views and traction in their newsletter because of these great pieces they're writing. Their development team is phenomenal, and they write some really, really good articles. So that's a one, one example of content marketing that does a really good job because their product is geared more towards technical people.
0: So, yeah, on a similar vein, email can be used to this effect as well. I've seen Syed from Optum Monster use email very, very effectively, both on his personal uh, site and for the products that he owns like Optum Monster, and I mean, even, uh, what's the slider called? Ah, soliloquy. Yeah. So, but mostly on Optum Monster, they have some really good content coming out and they promote it via email as well. So you can also do an email course teaching your uh, audience or your customers how to effectively make use of the plugin that they, they have just bought from you.
1: Yeah. I think, um, I think that's an important part, too, is you can build an email course to both promote your product or your other content channels. So we're working on an email course uh, for optimizing uh, web forms to increase conversion on on forms. And it'll be a four or five part email course uh, with the last goal to be, hey, why don't you check out our mailing list where we send out other helpful tips to building out, uh, you know, improving your form solutions.
0: Good. So let's let's take a look at affiliate marketing. Now, I know that from WP Mayor, we work with hundreds basically of plugin developers and team developers who offer an affiliate uh, program so that works and usually the plugin or the, the blog publicizing the plugin or theme and then earning a commission when people click through and buy the product from the vendor. This also can be offered to your existing clients. Um, We've had a lot of agencies, for example, contact us. Obviously, they want to use the plugin not only for themselves, but for their clients. And every time they sell it to one of their clients, they'd like to get a small kickback for doing so. This works really well for us. So I don't know if James, do you have any experience on affiliate marketing too?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I think actually it's probably a, a good topic for another episode where we just break down affiliate marketing, solutions for setting up your affiliate program, and some tricks to improve that process for you. That's something we're actually looking at right now is how to improve our affiliate process. Right now, we have probably about 250, 300 affiliates for uh, Ninja Forms and uh, right now it's kind of on autopilot and just kind of doing what it, what it does, but there are definitely some ways to optimize that and really improve the experience for users, uh, such as, you know, building out more personalized landing pages as people come into their site from those affiliates to really kind of, sell, kind of brand the relationship between you and those, say, power affiliates. You can offer higher percentages to power affiliates or those who are more likely to send more traffic to you things like that. Um, so there's affiliates are a great way. I know a lot of people don't like doing affiliates because they're like, I don't want to pay people to promote my product. But I've, I come from the, the opinion, if you believe in your product, who cares how they got to you? (laughs) Like if somebody is promoting you and you believe that you offer good support and a good product, win them over when they get to you, don't worry about necessarily how they got to you per se. So.
0: Yeah, there's a very negative connotation with affiliate marketing and I think it's quite unjust really because it's a very effective marketing channel and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, there's obviously cases of abuse. However, most affiliate marketing is done in earnest by other bloggers or people in the WordPress community who just refer their friends and their own clients to other products. And there's nothing wrong with them being able to get something back for their efforts. Obviously, somebody's not going to go to the trouble of writing a whole bunch of content about your plugin without getting something in return. So that's an incentive to get some content marketing for free as well. Absolutely. So the next point we have here in our list is deals with hosts and other theme and plugin companies. Obviously, if you have a plugin, you can make a deal with a theme, as we've seen many many do on especially Envato's Theme Forest and Code Canyon, where themes are bundled with some plugins installed. And if you have a plugin, you can also work with themes. In our case, for example, um, with Aggregator, some other theme developers have developed content aggregation themes. So we partner with them to offer special discounts, for example, for their clients and that sort of thing. On the other hand, James has also partnered with hosts. And that's something I've never done myself. So I leave that to James to explain how he did it.
1: Yeah. So, well, I mean, first coming back. Back to themes. That's a great way where themes on ThemeForest want to add functionality, but probably shouldn't bake it into their theme so that they can they can support your plugin. Uh, and work out of the box with it really, really well. So Ninja Forms does that with a lot of theme companies. Um, there's also companies like Astondify and and stuff that are doing some really cool stuff They're, that are just, have you know, have really nice designs and integrate with Ninja Forms seamlessly. Up Themes and parallelis are doing some really cool stuff with Ninja Forms and making sure those integrate well. But the other side of that is there is the hosting side, right? Now, not every hosting company is looking for plug-in partnerships per se, but there are a few that are building relationships one that stands out to me a lot is uh, GoDaddy is trying really hard to reestablish their relationship in the kind of the web community and the development community, and especially with WordPress. And they're doing a really good job with it. I know a lot of people kind of have kind of a bad taste in their mouth from GoDaddy, from previous, from history, uh, but they've really made a lot of strides to improve that process. And uh, I've been really impressed with them. And so they have their, what they they call their, uh, their plug-in partnership. That they have been working on so if you go to like um if you do a google search for like godaddy's hot 100 they have like the, the top 100 themes and 100 plugins that are installed on their their servers, and they show the the growth and the changes of that. And if you check out those pages, you'll see some of them have a little orange icon on the end of their, their listing. And it's because they actually are partnered with GoDaddy as a part of this program. And they've not talked about this partnership in, in, in great detail, and they're going to be talking about it more as it proceeds. But it's been a great real way to build a relationship with the host. In a lot of ways, what this means is you really just have direct support channels back and forth so that you can make sure your products work well on their hosting platform. And if they have issues with customers, they can they have somebody they can contact directly to deal with those things. There are other relationships that you can get with hosts which do increase your distribution. So I, I am of the opinion that a lot of hosts, their competition, Tends to be sites like the Weeblys and the Wix and the Squarespaces. Um, they're the ones that are that are kind of taking their their customers from away from them because they're going to these kind of one-stop shops where they can build their e-commerce store and everything. And so a lot of hosts are trying to improve this process and streamline and using WordPress as kind of the foundation of creating these simple one-click installs where everything that you need, whether it be e-commerce or forms or sliders, if, if so be it, <laughs> mailing lists, whatever it is that you need, they have available the choice that they will guide people towards. And so you can build relationships with hosts in that way and build relationships. Now, how you build those relationships is a little tougher. You have to kind of keep your ear to the ground. I would say go to business conferences where hosts are sponsoring, talk to them and see what their plans are, engage with them as far as what their objectives are. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to find the the problem that the hosts have. If you just come trying to get your product distributed uh, and, and try to, you know, popularize yourself, that doesn't do anything for hosts. You have to find out what do the hosts need and how can your product help them solve that problem. And not every product fits in that category. Uh, So hosts are, are technical. We've lucked out in that we have a product that is probably one of the most searched for terms from hosting companies who who have who offer integrations like this, and so many of them have either seeked us out or we've been in the right place at the right time to have those uh, conversations with them. But they were they all started at conferences. So like Pressnomic's was was a big one where one of our conversations started where we built our first uh, our first hosting relationship. But hosting is a great way to to build those relationships. But it's you know. It, it's not. It's not an easy. It's not an
0: easy uh, nut to crack, if you will. And how would that work in practice when you make a deal with a host?
1: Well, I mean, every deal is going to be different, right? So, uh, you know, I, I I believe Side Sidekick Pro has a relationship with GoDaddy and 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 some other solutions as well. I think with hostings, and that's kind of their, I believe, they kind of their niche into building their own distribution is working with hosts, and hosts love. Love that kind of a service because it helps their users use the product. If you're not familiar with SideQuick, it kind of gives you a walkthrough of plugins uh, and products and WordPress itself. And it's just kind of like you follow it through and it gives you arrows and point, you know, and kind of guides you. So it's kind of a self-guided tour, which is really kind of a neat experience. So... You know, they have a deal. I'm sure I don't know anything about their deal, uh, what it looks like, but some deals are going to be financial where they maybe they want to be a power affiliate and they want a high percentage of sales that they drive towards you. Um, Others are just they want to offer a quality service and they just want to know that you're going to support the product and support their customers and they want a direct line of communication with your development team. So it's going to be different with every host. It depends on what the host's objectives are
0: uh, as to what to, how that deal gets framed. That's very interesting. I think we'll see more of these happening as we go along. And WordPress itself starts facing some tougher competition from Wix and other systems as well. Absolutely. So another, another thing you can do is install some plugins on your actual e-commerce system, be it EDD or WooCommerce or whatever you're using. Stuff like abandoned cart and the related products plugin. So basically, the related products work in the same way as Amazon, where you get suggested other products that people have bought similar to what you have in your cart at the moment. And stuff like the abandoned cart plugin can actually detect abandoned carts, check the email that was left in the abandoned cart, and offer a discount or just contact the person. And remind them about that abandoned cart. These are things that are used on most e commerce websites in general. And obviously, it's good to use the same tactics within your WordPress plugin business.
1: Yeah, we definitely experiment with a lot of these things, uh, both abandoned carts and cross promoting. Uh, so if somebody adds a certain add on to their, to their, checkout or to their cart we can then say other users who bought this add-on commonly also buy these two add-ons and and try to cross promote that way so that's definitely a um, those are and th- all of that is really about optimizing your 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 e-commerce solution and the product flow through checkout you want to take every opportunity you can to one, complete the sale, but also to entice them to increase the sale if you can. And by offering products that they may all not have realized that you have, but go really well with the products that they're already purchasing is kind of a no-brainer as far as trying to get that set up. And and most e-commerce solutions have add-ons that
0: can automate this process for you. Our final point on this episode, I would say, is translations of your WordPress plugins or themes both on the the plugin itself the interface and all its text strings and its readme.txt file which obviously controls what gets displayed on your plugins page on .org so these are there's not really a lot of data however i've spoken to some other developers who have had really good success with providing a readme.txt file in other languages so obviously wordpress is expanding and growing in usage all around the world In some places where many places i would say where english is not the default language or the main language and having your readme.txt and that country's language will obviously help explain what your plugin does better and i suspect that it will obviously give you an an advantage significant advantage in the plugin the new plugins.org page or even the current one i guess so Obviously, if somebody has no description in that language and you have your own description, you'll probably appear ahead of that other plugin, which is your competitor. So that might be something that you could try. It doesn't take a lot of time, especially if you have multilingual people on your team.
1: Yeah, I think uh, that's going to be, I mean, at, most of us know as we
0: start selling these our
1: products and our plugins that we have a large user base that's not just English speaking. And so getting those plugins translated is important. It's challenging because if you're not a multilingual team, you have to find people who will take the time. And if your plugin's large enough, it's a substantial amount of time to translate a plugin, um, which I would have, you know, in my mind, it feels like, oh, well, it'd be super fast to translate a plugin, but it is not <laughs> a cut and dry fast process. Uh, but I think you're going to see that the the WordPress repo is going to become more weighted, to products that are translated right now it's been pretty much fair game you know everybody kind of ranks the same way you know it doesn't really matter as far as with the translation but now when people are from a non-english speaking search and they're searching the repo in their language the plugins and themes that are translated are going to be weighted higher and are going to show up and so if you want to get traction in those languages you have to do the work and get your your product translated. Now, how do you get those translators is an interesting topic. Um, Some things that I would kind of recommend is one of course you can just kind of reach out to the community as a whole, but I would encourage you to offer incentives. Even if you can't pay translators, you might be able to find some people who are willing just for free licenses. And say, well, hey, if you give me access to the product, uh, to your paid promote your pro version, I'd be more than happy to translate it. Um, and that's a might be a happy trade off that you can make uh,
0: that some translators might be willing to make. Uh, one one other thing to note is that obviously if you're providing a README and that particular language, say Chinese, for example, you're bound to also receive some support requests or pre-sales emails in Chinese. So (laughs) (laughs) it's a problem then if you cannot read it, you know, and if you just relied on an outside translator to do the the original translation of the plugin or readme.txt. However, it's also an exciting space to watch out because it might lead to the creation of more jobs within the wordpress community here in malta there's a huge gaming community i mean gaming with regards to gaming companies and i see the job boards and they're full of support positions for specific languages and that means that people who have maybe no experience with wordpress but just want to work as a dedicated support person can suddenly be very useful to plug in companies specifically for the the language they speak.
1: Yeah, I think that I think that's a very exciting area of, of product development and management. I, I, I look forward to the day, right, of hiring somebody who speaks Chinese to translate your your plug and then engage them in the community and say what if you hired them to actually handle the chinese support of your product so now all tickets that come in that are in chinese can be filtered to that particular person and they can earn extra money supporting the product as well and now you've you've built out your community i i think it's definitely an interesting prospect and for those people who are bilingual or multilingual who can cross over and support in other languages as well, uh, you can start to build that community up even further. And so I think that's actually quite exciting.
0: Yeah, and there are already plugins that are doing this. Sure. Like WPML, obviously, because they're a multilingual plugin. And I believe there were other plugins. I believe MailPoet was one of them, where they do offer support in multiple languages as well. Yeah, I think that's great. Okay, so I think that's really wraps up our episode today. We have one new review on Mastermind.fm on the iTunes Store. It's a five-star review from Is4Axe. It's a, it's a review from Italy. And uh, it's a, entitled It's a Pleasure to Meet One of the Hosts. It was a pleasure for me finally meet Jean Galea in Vienne during the World Camp Europe. Keep up the good work, guys. unfortunately I don't know the name of this person, but I did meet a lot of our many of our listeners or audience. And it was a great pleasure for me personally to discuss some of the topics that we discuss on our show in further detail and to actually know that there are many people finding this podcast useful. So if you're one of those people, please leave a review on iTunes or just get in touch with a question, whatever. We're always happy to, to hear from you and offer you something useful.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes we don't say this emphatically enough, but if you want more of what we're doing, if you want to steer the direction of the topics, uh, emailing us at podcast at mastermind.fm or sending us a, an email through a form helps us. Uh, encouragement with reviews on iTunes are super important. It not only helps the podcast get exposure so other people can find it, but it lets us know that you enjoy what we we're doing and uh, encourages us to record more episodes. So we uh, can't can't state enough that we would really appreciate your feedback and your questions as we uh, continue with the show. Great. So where can I find you, James? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at James Laws or my
0: personal website, JamesLaws.com. Excellent. And you can find me at Jean Galea on Twitter and my personal website, JeanGalea.com. Thanks, guys. Take care. And we'll see you on the next episode of Mastermind.fm. See you next time.